trying to remember how to do this human interaction thing. Welcome to Hand of Pot. special episode indeed because as usual I'm Sam Kelly but today I'm joined in person sitting across the table from me by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello and welcome. It's good to be back at the studio finally. It's very good indeed. Uh, it's not going to be an every episode thing this part because I don't want to pile it on Dan to have us around for every single episode and we can't record in my living room with the windows open on account of uh, the avenue <laughs> from outside my window. <laughs> Uh, and, and dresses for the bus stop reason as well but um, it's nice to be doing it again at least occasionally it is uh, we have got a couple of weeks of action to go back over because we didn't record last week because of the Argentina match on Thursday it just, I, I said this for the last couple of international breaks now we've tried to think oh should we record after two of them but before the third one and then it just feels a bit silly to do that and just preview one yeah. Argentina match so I haven't bothered so, we've got plenty of First Division action. First Division? What's that? No. Yeah. Liga Profesional action, which is not what it was called last time we all saw each other. <laughs> uh, and more importantly, of course, Argentina's World Cup qualifying, which is where we are going to begin. I must admit, I'm a little bit nervous about this because I don't have my computer in front of it to work out what the hell we're talking about. It's all very new, this in-person thing I can't just Google whatever Sam's talking about and say oh yeah you remember this and this and this it's, it's going to be a, there's going to be a few awkward pauses I think no indeed I'm, I'm trying to remember list. what our predictions were Andres when we recorded with Santi beforehand yes. I think was it you or was it Santi who were the only one to predict no. a draw Santi and you uh, said that Argentina will win all of three games and, you said and I said that they will draw, mm. like, draw against Paraguay and then win against very smart. The reason that I'm asking is that that, of course, is exactly what happened. Paraguay yes. versus Argentina ended nil-nil. I don't think anybody got the actual scores no. correct, but any of the scores, in fact, but Paraguay versus Argentina ended nil-nil. Argentina got a 3-0 win over Uruguay uh, with a brilliant performance from Lionel Messi. And against Peru, Messi was not quite as brilliant. Mortal, uh, But Argentina, say. yes, indeed. But Argentina still managed a win, and it was 1-0 in the Monumental last Thursday. Uh, that sounds yes. correct. Yes, it does, doesn't yes. it? Um, so, can we remember all the way back to seventh, two and a half weeks ago when Paraguay got that nil-nil draw in Asuncion against Argentina? Very Why? vaguely, because obviously the, the other two games uh, are a little bit more fresh in the mind. Um, I thought... The draw was probably a fair result. Uh, Argentina had their chances to, uh, to go up. I think it was um, Joaquin Correa in particular who missed at least two or two or three great chances to go ahead. Um, but Paraguay had, um, had a couple of chances as well. They kept Emi Martinez on his toes, which is a El Divo, 
who's um, whose star just keeps rising for Argentina. Three consecutive uh, clean sheets to go with the the one he managed in the last game of the last round against Bolivia. So that's yeah. 360, 365 minutes. We can say if we count the the Brazil snippet um, <laughs> without conceding a goal for Argentina. Um, and you kind of look at it and you say on the day if one of the teams could have nicked it it would have been Argentina but a draw away to Paraguay especially with all the decent results that Argentina have been picking up otherwise you can't say it's, um, it's a bad outcome I think everyone would have been satisfied kind of with the spread of results um, ultimately if you'd been offered that before the round started um, it was good enough and then against Uruguay just fantastic, really, um, really good game. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for my other esteemed uh, colleagues here, but I think we were all expecting a bit more of a tetchy uh, close game, right, than, than what happened. Yeah, I mean, Uruguay haven't been in brilliant form mm. at any point, really, uh, since the, the World Cup qualifying got underway. They're only fifth in the table now, but even it's so, not- you don't expect... It is said that Maestro Tavares, who's a long time been the coach of Uruguay, that he will be no more the coach. And that Diego Aguirre, the former San Lorenzo coach, will yeah, be Yeah, that was talked about a lot the weekend. It's like on Saturday, everyone was saying he was he was out. And then by Sunday, he'd been confirmed as, uh, as staying. Um, but I have, the th- I have the theory, it's not exactly an original theory, that what really outraged Uruguayan fans more than anything, not so much a result, just... Um, the discipline, the disciplinary um, tallies, because they only managed eight fouls and not even a single yellow card, which is diabolical for a for an away classical, I must say. Like, uh, I don't know if they show Argentina a bit too much respect; they just didn't fancy kicking them, or or maybe yeah, you know, if you look at the game, they just couldn't get near enough. Yeah, they couldn't get near enough to them. Really, just looking, I hadn't realised Argentina didn't pick up any bookings in that match either, mm. um, which. I don't know whether it's the first. One thing we didn't cover in, in the preview that we recorded for Hand Pod Extra, Andressa, which um, I still haven't uploaded yet, but will yes. be doing, uh, on the history of Argentina and Uruguay and the international rivalry they have, is the disciplinary side. So I don't know whether it's the first, but if it's not the first, then it's certainly a very unusual. No, absolutely. Can <laughs> we remember who got the goals against Uruguay? I mean, Messi got one, which was. Rather fortunate, let's, let's be honest. And Rodrigo de Paul and Lautaro Martinez. I'm surprised you didn't remember those two names, no? Maybe I just wanted you to, to name them for me so I could bask in, in the memory sound. Indeed. Lo Celso got two assists for Messi's and Martinez's goals, and Martinez got an assist of his own as well. He set up the de Paul yes, one. Yes, which I uh, Yes, that was yes. the one that was played across the area, and he kind of barged Nico yeah. Gonzalez out of the way and just uh, powered it in. Yeah. I am. Um, would I be wrong in saying that De Paul was the star of the the round for Argentina? I thought he had a very good game against yeah. Uruguay and against Peru. Just fantastic, fantastic display like, all around the pitch. And linked up really well with, with Messi in particular, I thought, yes. against Paraguay as well. Because although we, we've mentioned that the Paraguay match didn't exactly go to plan, um, it has to be said that like when you look at the actual statistics of the game, especially in the first half, Argentina were dominant. They as you said, they, they they probably could have nicked it in the second half. Paraguay hit quite effectively on the counter attack and could have could have pinched something there. But while Argentina were dominating, although they couldn't find that um, 
the the sort of the final touch in the box. Yeah, they were missing Lautaro. I think Lautaro was injured. Um, Alario, I don't know. I don't know if it was fitness or tactical, which which led uh, Correa, who isn't a mm. centre forward by any stretch of the imagination, to uh, to play up front rather than Alario or say Julian Alvarez, but. Finally, Julián was there in uh, with some minutes. Isn't yeah, he got on in the end, didn't he? Yes. Um, Not against uh, Peru because I think that Gallardo talked with Scaloni and, and said, uh, "Hey, look, uh, you don't play him, and you send him back." Yeah, something like that. No, very good for for Argentina overall. I think it's safe to say, and um, I know it was mentioned a little bit, at least during one of the commentaries of the games. I think it was um, against Uruguay. Um, that FIFA are kind of still looking at what happened at Brazil, uh, what happened in Brazil, and the most likely outcome is going to be, you know, pending appeal, uh, Argentina getting the points, and if that occurs, which apparently it's it's supposed to happen before the end of the month, although this, this is according to the Argentine TV commentators. This was according to one of the Argentine TV commentators. So take it with a yeah. large pinch of salt. Um, You'd say if that happens and they get it by the end of the month, that's Argentina in, right? Coasting you would think for whatever could young. happen. There's still the of plenty of, of football to be played because we've got another six, oh, only six matches. But like the Argentine, right? Argentine TV commentators said that what the Argentine board members say were believing, so it's the same. You will have to take that with. Uh, yeah, and then yes. it, it's it, from, I mean, as we discussed after the match itself, uh, after it got called off. Um, it would appear that what the AFL were told on the day of the match turned, or the day before the match turned out to be at least partly untrue in terms of don't worry this will get played we're going to sort everything out and the, you'll, the get, thing you'll is, get the exemptions and then they didn't this so. time at least and Visa won't have a vote so <laughs> the, the thing is that with 28 points I think that the, in the previous qualifiers was the points that they got to, to get the qualifiers the qualifiers I'll have to take the word for it. I, I think that, that, that's what they said also. That they, apparently that is the number or the number of points that normally you you should be qualified. And well, if you take into account the the, the points that the, the the third, which is equal to seventeen points, mm -hmm. well, yeah. that is that will, should be uh, have should, should have sense. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. looking at Chile at the moment, a sixth with obviously we'll run down the full standings in a minute, but Chile a sixth with thirteen. Uh, so if Argentina do get awarded the points, then they'd be four, 15 clear of sixth place with 18 points to play for. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how many of Argentina's remaining. Actually, I can find out very easily how many of Argentina's remaining. And you think the teams below time. will be playing each other as well, so that's going to knock some points off. One, two, three. Three of their remaining six matches are at home. One of those is against Brazil, admittedly, but one of them is against Venezuela, and <laughs> a single win from any of the six matches would do it. And, of course, they've already played Bolivia away, haven't they? Yes. Which basically takes out of the equation the one away match that, from Argentina's point, I'm not saying the only difficult away <laughs> match in South America, because it isn't, but from if you're as strong as Argentina are at the moment, Bolivia away is the only away match that you really need to go into uh, feeling nervous about, let's say. Mm. Um, so we've covered Rodrigo de Paul's excellent uh, performance in, in those three matches which I think I, I'm, I'm glad that you reminded us of Dan because you know we've, we've talked in the past about uh, in the previous couple of FIFA rounds about how well Giovanni Lo Celso has been linking up mm. with Messi um, and to see de Paul 
I wouldn't say start to do that, but but to see him really sort of starting to um, blossom and, and come into his own in the national team shirt has been really impressive as well. Mm. Um, Lochelso himself was excellent against Uruguay as well, but then who who wasn't? Yeah, the Uruguay absolutely. performance was it, it was very just, strong. It, it was brilliant. Um, I suppose one question that, that we should ask: we don't normally talk about individual awards on this show. We don't normally start to speculate this early, but I've seen it mentioned in a couple of places. Even though I'm completely ignoring football Twitter these days, Messi has to be nailed on for the Ballon d'Or, doesn't he? You think so, yeah. You, I mean, you think so. The, the same arguments are going to be made all the time, and oh, has he passed his best? No, I mean, of course he's passed his best. He's 34 years old now, 34, 35. Yes, 34. But um, I, I didn't see anybody, admittedly I didn't watch all of the Euros, but I'm not aware of anybody having been as dominant in the Euros as he was at the Copa America. No. For instance, no. and I was thinking on my way over. Actually, I've walked from my place to yours, Dan. I mean, you two both know Very this, good. but for the benefit of our listeners, I've walked from my place to Dan, so I had about a thirty-five minute or so walk. Um, and I was thinking while I was coming that the um, I think the only reason that, that Messi's dominance and in, uh, individual level in this year's Copa America wasn't made more of was the fact that Neymar was so excellent as well. Mm. So it was kind of the fact that Neymar was so good, sort of distracted a tiny bit from the fact that Messi was just god level um, in that tournament uh, you know normally when it happens you've only got one player who's anywhere near that level whereas Neymar was sort of pushing it up until the final um, but yeah against Peru am I, which was the match in which there was a penalty missed by the way because I was going to mention this yes. yeah it was the Peru yes. game wasn't it Chosimash that's right he hit the crossbar um, and like sort of you, you mentioned Emiliano Martinez keeping the clean sheets mm. And I wondered how much of that had to do with him as well, because now, if you're taking a penalty and Emiliano Martinez is between... He just seems to have an aura about him. Especially if you're South American. You know, maybe the Premier League players, in the Europeans playing in the Premier League against Aston Villa aren't quite as aware of, of what happened. But now, for South American players, it's going to be in their heads every time. <laughs> you know he's going to be chewing your ear off um, and really distracting. And, and John Doon... It's another thing to think about, isn't it? Well, whatever is good about uh, Diego Martinez is... Uh, if well, whether he will be led doing those like gestures and, and, and talking all of the matches because of course in at least in South America I, I recall uh, being warned by the referee against mm-hmm. Colombia uh, that not not to insult the, 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 the player who was going to take the penalty yeah I mean you could do it up to a certain extent I think once like now you know the crowds are back in in stadiums I mean and you've got a bit more um Cover is it yes, doesn't, of course. It yeah. doesn't stand out because um, I've talked to a lot yeah. of people and you know they make the point. This has been going on since the beginning of time in football. Like giving it all that, giving it like to pick up the goalkeepers. Yeah, basically the the difference is net, like in the Copa America, you had a completely empty stadium and every single word could be could be heard crystal clear. Um, I can't. You'd have to be quite a, a pedantic ref to, to you know to be listening in with your ear cocked. Uh, trying to work out uh, what the goalkeeper's saying, I think. Indeed, yeah. Um, elsewhere in the South American qualifying, then Brazil got a 3-1 way win away to Ecuador. Uh, they then dropped points for the first time. Or the also second against time. Venezuela? Sorry. <laughs> we'll have to see. Sorry, against Venezuela. Not, I said, did I say Ecuador? No, Venezuela, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I it wasn't Venezuela. against Venezuela. That's what I'm saying. I, I was just, uh, yeah, I said Ecuador, but ah. it was against Venezuela. Um, and then they dropped points for the first, or depending on whether the AFA are being told the truth about FIFA's impending decision, possibly the second time 
um, in these qualifiers. They got a nil-nil draw away to Colombia. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember there was a flurry of late chances in that match, possibly for Brazil. Was... They had a couple of really late corners or something, and Colombia rode the luck of it. But yes, I might be correct. making that up. Um, and they then beat Uruguay 4-1. So Uruguay suffering back-to-back three-goal margin defeats against their two historic rivals. Um, what did Ecuador do? Ecuador did not, of course, lose 3-1 at home to, to Brazil. They beat Bolivia 3-0 uh, on the same day as that Brazil-Venezuela game. They then lost away to Venezuela 2-1, and then they drew 0-0 with Colombia as well, also in Colombia, um, which tells you what two of Colombia's results were. Not very many goals if you're watching them. Um, the standings at the moment, then, are that Brazil, after 11 matches, have 30 one points. Argentina after 11 matches have 25 points. Everybody else of course have played 12 matches because Brazil v Argentina was called off. Um, Ecuador have 17 points. Colombia have 16 points. Uruguay have 16 points but an inferior goal difference. Colombia's goal difference is zero. <laughs> Uruguay's is minus three. So Colombia at the moment are well on course to qualify for the World Cup automatically with a goal difference of zero. Uh, Chile have a goal difference of zero but three fewer points they're on 13 Bolivia have 12 points Paraguay have 12 points Peru have 11 points Venezuela have 7 so Venezuela still mathematically in it but I think we're going to have to wait at least another 4 years before their first World Cup I period. fear so yeah I fear so but from 3rd to ninth, it's incredibly close it really is it's, it's really gonna 6 be... points in it between yeah. Ecuador and Peru it's going to be one hell of a um... A conclusion, I think. I'm just wondering how many of Bolivia's remaining games are at home because there has. I think I saw three of them at least. Everybody's got three at home and three away, right? Yeah. Bolivia away to Peru, then at home to Uruguay, uh, away to Venezuela, which could be winnable for them. Um, Then they are at home to Chile, away to Colombia, which they're probably not going to win. Home to Brazil in the last day. At home to Brazil, that could be quite funny, couldn't yeah. it? Uh, they could do it. They could do it. I mean, the fact that they're even close after that horrible Copa America they had is is quite something in it yeah. already. Indeed, yeah. They're, so they're, they've got... Did I say home to Chile and at home to Uruguay? I mean, those yes. are the two teams immediately above them in the table. Yeah. If they can get that away win against Venezuela and win their home matches... I mean, three wins of those six games, you think, they're doing well. Yeah. Considering how many points the others are dropping. In di- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they have a huge home advantage. I know that some of our listeners tend to uh, wonder whether we're overstating this a bit because no. we're at sea level. Um, in fact, I, I, I know this because my best mates asked me in the past whether it's really, <laughs> and, and you know, to the same extent. But you know, you just have to look at the the, the home record of Bolivia in the, in the World Cup qualifiers historically of Bolivian teams in the Copa Libertadores even when nobody got an away win in the Libertadores for and their away record yeah more pertinently um, to, to see what a, a huge difference it makes so I remember a match uh, the last match in which Bisha played for Boca which was again the strongest in Bolivia and the strongest, the strongest mm. in Bolivia was just awful mm. and, and Boca doing just the, what mm. they needed they, they got a win. It was oh, they, they were terrible this yes. year. I made a mockery of their name. A yes. real mockery. Yes. They did, yeah. Wow, the goals are flying in in Patronato. Yeah. Patronato <laughs> versus Defensive Justicia. Since we started recording, when we started recording, it was 0-0. And it's now 2-1 to Patronato. Patronato's first goal was scored by their goalkeeper, Matias Ibanez. 
I didn't point that out to you, Dan, because you were talking when, when it happened. But, uh, so? It was a penalty, obviously. Yeah. Uh, defensively, it was DCA equalised a couple of minutes ago, and Patronato have just retaken the lead. Um, good. Right, so... I'm trying to work out whether we want to try to predict who's going. I suspect that Brazil and Argentina I think are going to be going say, yeah. to the Quata World Cup next year. Um, who do we reckon for the other positions, though? Are Ecuador and Colombia going to hang on? I fancy Ecuador. I think they got enough about them. Uh, Alfaro seems to have kind of found his, um, found his feet yeah. after a fairly rocky start. Um, I think that they, and they also have the altitude. It, it's it's a, to bear in mind. It's an enormously simplified thing to do but I also think that it is illustrative you know obviously having actually watched the matches does mm-hmm. help but just looking at the goal difference tallies everybody else is either on like zero or close mm-hmm. to zero or negative figures Ecuador Argentina and Brazil are the only three with significant mm-hmm. positive significant or no they're the only three with positive goal difference mm-hmm. at all uh, Brazil have got plus 22 <laughs> Argentina have got uh, plus 13 and Ecuador have got plus 7 yeah, you think Quito isn't La Paz exactly, but mm. it still gives them a, a big advantage playing um, playing at altitude. It does. In, you know, if you've got and three home games in your last six games in such a tight group, um, you should be looking to, to get for it. Yeah. Yeah, and then their next home game is... In fact, their next game is at home to Venezuela, so I would expect them to be pretty much over the line quite soon. Mm-hmm. Um the, those next matches, by the way, are early next month. I'm just wondering, yeah, we are going to record before then. I'm away next week I'm on holiday, so we're not going to be recording next week. I know we've been tending to go every two weeks anyway recently, but just pointing that out right now. There um, only be only two matches no, instead of three? Because only two matches, yeah. yeah. Between uh, the 11th of November, the 16th of November, yes, and then the next one after that is the 27th yeah. of January. Yeah, but the, the past rounds were with three matches because they were... Uh, because of yeah. matches, qualifiers. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Argentina v... Uruguay... Argentina v Uruguay, for yes. instance, this last week was uh, from round five. Yes. Uh, it was the delayed one. And then in the previous month... Brazil, right? Six, uh, Brazil and Argentina yeah. were supposed to be played in round six. Yeah, so we've actually got the rematches of those coming up very soon. Because on the 11th of November is Uruguay v Argentina and on the 16th of November so both in the next uh, doubleheader is Argentina v Brazil hmm? that'll be tasty and quite early at least for Argentina in San Juan I believe they're playing 4pm 4pm in San Juan in November that's going to be yes. <laughs> <laughs> I assume they were going to do everything in the Monumental I think San Juan so yes. I saw uh, yes. yeah yes it's only confirmed that they, they will, will be playing in San Juan yes okay useful to know I've been contacted by one listener about the possibility of attending Argentina v Colombia if they can get down to Buenos Aires. So uh, I'll have to keep an eye on whether it's actually going to be played in Buenos Aires. That would be a good start, yes. Um, that one's in They were quite uh, uh, happy with the, with the field, with the pitch at the Monumental. So they are the new, there is a new pitch that uh, River has been using but not the national team and with these rounds of the qualifiers, oh, okay. uh, they tested it and apparently it was good. Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. Um, anything else to add from the internationals, James? I think that was fairly comprehensive. Um, unless we want to say, you know, we've spoken a lot about what was good about Argentina. Do we want to say what was bad, what was ugly, or are there any nits to be picked? I mean, Nicolas Otamendi is still <laughs> in in the defence, and the. Mm. The, the first choice central defensive partnership now for Scaloni looks like it's Cristiano Romero. Mm. 
Nicolas Otamendi, where obviously you have this interesting mix of the guy who, you know, almost nobody in Argentina had heard. Not, not that I'm saying he didn't deserve his call-up, but lots of people were like, who is this guy when he was called up for the Copa America? to being absolutely nailed on first choice. He's played still, what, seven matches now or something because he was injured for so yes. much in the Copa. Yeah, it must be that. Yes. Um, and Otamendi seems to be playing better alongside him. He yes. does. I do have one nagging doubt, which is that as good a defender as Romero is, and I think he's a fantastic defender, I don't know if he's quick enough to cover all of mm. Otamendi's fuck-ups. Um, Otamendi isn't very. I mean, Otamendi wasn't very quick at his quickest. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Old, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he compensates enough if Otamendi has a really Otamendi day, mm. which he hasn't. Fair play to him. Um, against Peru, there were a couple of moments, and I think against Paraguay as well, but he was solid enough. But I wonder, you know, going into the World Cup, yeah. Mbappe, and, uh, Haaland, these kind of very, very. Elite strikers who run at you. Yeah, you're going to be. Is that a decent enough pairing? And you're going to be hoping that Martinez can do a little bit of sweeper keepering. I mean, he's going to have to. They seem more likely to to face Mbappe than because to to play against Han, they will have to play against Norway. Yeah, Norway, they're not going to make it, right? I I just pulled a name out my ass. Yes, it's it's true. Uh, Anyway, A a Holland esque player, let's say. But the other centre-backs that are uh, available for the national team, I think they are, are all first-back centre-backs, right? Like, well, Martínez Cuarta and, and Petzela, it's also the... Uh, pay in, in yeah, the, I mean, the yeah. Sandra Martínez... Well, yeah, Martínez could be the other one, because... We'll see, we'll see. But, I mean, the, the positive for Argentina is that, you know, if we're looking into a scenario where Argentina have qualification wrapped up by, by Christmas, that gives you a few matches to... Uh, to polish, to, to try out a few players. Plus, you know, you'll have that Euro-American, Diego Armando Maradona Cup next year against Italy. I'm guessing a few friendlies. I mean, there are time. There is time yes. uh, to work on it a bit and and find some alternatives. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think Otamendi troubles me a bit and I'm not sold completely on Molina as well. I think... Those two positions could be up for up for grabs still. I think from midfield attack, you're pretty much you're pretty much there. Um, Defence could still use some work. In fact, Scaloni has been with that doubt of uh, whether to play with Molina or Montiel. Mm. As they are similar, but I, I what I watched from Molina is that he was had some difficulties with the ball. Uh, but well, he uh, shot the cross in, with which. Uh, I forgot. Uh, Lope, Lautaro Martinez, sorry, uh, scored the, the single goal. Yes. The solitary goal against Peru, yes. yes. Correct. That was a very nice cross, it must be said. Yeah, with, with Montiel, I think Montiel has a decent chance of, of nailing down the right back slot as, mm. as first choice once he's settled in at Sevilla. I don't know how much he's playing in Spain. No. Um, I do think that right. in the medium to long term, Sevilla got themselves a really good deal because they didn't pay very much for him either, did they? Was it four million mm. or something. Um, a bit more, I think, but he's the substitute for Jesus Navas, yeah. historic. So uh, once he, once Navas, I mean, how old is Navas now? That he's to be a winger, 50, he's playing 60. So once, once Navas is no longer, you know, <laughs> fully active, and, and Montiel actually does start to take the mantle as presumably as Sevilla's first choice right back. I mean, he's clearly been signed for the future. 
Mm. Um, I think that, that he should be. The new equipo chef is uh, Sevilla because they have uh, <laughs> Acuña, uh, Papu Gomez, um, him, uh, I mean Montiel. Montiel, yes, I and him. <laughs> and you, you can... <laughs> What's his face? He's his left ribber, so I'm just <laughs> Uh, to answer the burning question on everyone's lips, by the way, it looks very much to me like Norway do have a good chance of qualifying. They are currently second, which is the playoff spot in UEFA Group G. Um, they're two points clear of Turkey, who are third, and their next match is at home to Latvia. So their final match is away to the Netherlands, but given that they need... Well, actually, I don't know what Turkey are doing, but if they beat Latvia, then they're going to be two points clear, at least two points clear of third with one match to play. So it's very much space in their own hands. Haaland versus Otamendi. That'll be entertaining for Shoot everybody who is not supporting Argentina, <laughs> I suspect. Um, anyway, on that note, I think we're going to take a half-time break and replenish our glasses. Dan and Andres clearly like the artisanal fernet that mm, I'm going nice. to celebrate our in-person recording again. And when we get back, we're going to talk about... Um, I started that sentence the trying to do stuff on my Primera phone. Primera Liga Super Profesional. Of course we are. Yeah, we're going to talk about domestic stuff, so don't go away. got um, some rounds of football from the local league to talk about, and the number of rounds of football from the local league that we have to talk about are, uh, is... Two and a third. And we're now into that, uh, to this week. Uh, we're recording this basically in order to try and get it online before Boca and River play, because we know how your minds work, yeah. listeners, internationally. Uh, the main results then... From round 15, which was the 8th to the 11th of October, uh, the main results from that, uh, when I say main, I'm just really picking out the ones that stand out to me. Uh, Sarmiento got a 3-0 win over LBCB, that's definitely not one of the main ones. Uh, Defensive Justicia beat Argentinos 2-0 in La Paternal. Uh, Racing got a win, I thought I'd mention that while yeah, I still can uh, 2-1 against Patronato. River beat Banfield 1-0 away. Boca beat Lanús 4-2 in the Bombonera. And Tacheres got a 2-0 win over Atletico Tucumán. If you were listening to the last episode, you will know, of course, why I'm picking up Tacheres' results. Uh, in round 16, which was the 15th to the 17th of October, um, Rosario Central won a five-goal thriller, 3-2 against Patronato. Although that wasn't really that thrilling, because I think, if I remember rightly, Central were 3-1 up quite late on, and Patronato got a late a second consolation, if you like. No, it was 2-2, and Rosario Central won it with the... Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, my, was life, my life score up gave me this, the goals in the wrong order in that case, because I remember seeing the um, things come in. Was, oh, yeah, you're quite right. So, yeah, they came back from 2-1 down in the... Yes, they turned it around. The, the Patronato went 2-1 up in the 77th minute and then Central scored in the 85th and 93rd. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, I got those two alerts the wrong way around or something then on the score app. just got confused. Um, 
Union de Santa Fe versus Sarmiento was a seven-goal thriller, uh, and Union came out on the correct side of it uh, with a 94th-minute winner to win 3-4 away to Sarmiento. As you would have, oh no, they didn't. Sorry, what am I talking about? They went 4-2 up in the 80th minute, and then Sarmiento. That was the one that wasn't really a that thriller because they they got a 94th minute. Seven goals. I think we can call it a thriller like, without being too uh, too picky, right? Yes, a goal fest. A goal fest. <laughs> Uh, the Clásico del Sur finished Lanús 1, Banfield 1. Huracán lost 3-0 uh, at home to Boca. I was about to say away because Boca were away, but no, they, they Huracán lost at home to Boca, 3-0. Uh, Atlético Tucumán versus Argentinos Juniors, the same weekend, mind you, as that 4-3 we just mentioned, finished 4-3, and that one also did not have a stoppage time winner, Kevin McAllister. Uh, scoring for Argentinos to uh, make it 4-3 um, elsewhere uh, that weekend then we had River beating San Lorenzo 3-1 and Tacheres losing 1-0 to Colón which means that as we go into this midweek round of matches River are top of the table with 36 points Tacheres a second with 32 Boca a third with 27, level on uh, points, but just ahead of goal difference of Lanús. And Estudiantes a fifth with 26, Colón also have 26. Um, but the reason that you need to pay attention to that four-point gap between Riber and Tacheres is that it could get an awful lot wider, or it could narrow significantly on... Or it could stay the same. Or it could stay the same on today's Tuesday, so on Thursday evening, uh, because Tacheres host River on Thursday Boca expects that match it out also because uh, yeah. that will determine if they can beat uh, Godi Cruz which I, I think they will because it's at, yeah that's tomorrow evening uh, they play home and, and they have as, as I said in the last episode they have been improving uh, I wouldn't say that it's uh, spectacular but uh, they have been improving uh, little by little and now they are uh, I think a serious team and mm-hmm. If they win against Godi Cruz and River and Tashes draw, for example, they will have a, a, a seven points uh, distance and, mm. and with eight matches to go, that will be. Uh, uh, t- how many matches are there? 25? 25. No, yes. Eight matches, matches to go, yeah. sorry, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. River lose six points, yes. we're out of, uh, out of 24, yeah. That's yes. Although they would retrievable. still, they would then have they'd have Tacheres five ahead and River six ahead, wouldn't they? So I, I always wonder whether it's better to just have the one team easily catchable or yeah. two teams Debatable. not quite as far ahead, but two of them. The thing is, that I, River think gonna, I think they're going to be cheering for Tacheres in there. The thing oh, is that River yes. must uh, lose three matches and Boca win three to for them to to be at the yes. same. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's hard for them, but well, the thing that River played Tacheres is uh, the interesting interesting uh, thing of, of the of the round, and mm. uh, a lot of people say that if River defeats Tacheres, it will make make them I, I won't say champions, but uh, uh, will have a, a, an eight points uh, seven points difference. Yeah, it would be a big step towards it, yes. wouldn't it? Like seven clear with twenty. 24, game, uh, 24 yes. points to play for certainly not home and dry but um, they, would, they would be huge 
favorites. The key thing, title. the key here is that uh, well, now Copa Libertadores is coming to an end with the final, but River having only one competition to take to think about because they also uh, were eliminated from Copa Argentina by mm -hmm. Boca, mean that they are only focused on on, on, on the Liga Profesional. So and the one competition that they never won under Gallardo. Yes, yeah. yes, it's a lose definitely because. They're the best team in Argentina. I don't think there's any real controversy over that point. Uh, probably one of the only teams really worth watching um, as a neutral. I think Lanús on their day can can do something. The Tashiras have been very interesting to see how they've uh, been improving. But if you want to see very good football, um, River is consistently the place to, uh, the place to go. Um, and I think having lost it fairly. Um, fairly disastrously right in the last Superliga which was the last league before now um, when I'm they trying lost, to remember when it they, was <laughs> they dropped like seven points in the last three rounds or something and then lost out to Boca on the final day uh, that was that it was wasn't a great way to end up that was the one that Boca won before we all went into lockdown wasn't yes, it yes correct I've forgotten they ever finished second in that one yeah. well they they had it to win they only needed yeah. a draw I think against uh, Atletico Tucumán Mm. And they managed to throw it away. Um, and Boca won against the Gimnasia. Uh, yes. The Gimnasia, yes. Gimnasia, yes. Um, no, but as I say, yeah, it's Rivers to lose, definitely. Indeed, yeah. Um, their character and, and the sort of togetherness of the play and, and the, the cohesion um, is, is as remarkable, you know, uh, it stands out as much to me against the other teams in, in the local league at least um, as just sort of a style of football and I think it was well illustrated against San Lorenzo at the weekend when San Lorenzo went 1-0 up really very much against the run of play um, when, when the score up I'm looking at on my phone says it was scored by Nicolas Fernandez and that the assist came from Nicolas Fernandez Oof. I'm not sure whether San Lorenzo have two players of that name Fernandez Mercado is the other uh... oh, they did their left back and their right winger <laughs> were both called Nicolas yes. Fernandez the right winger sent the goal up for the left back uh, so that shows you how much attention I was paying. I, I did have the match on, I think, early on mute during the first half, which would explain why I hadn't picked up on that. Um, but but they, the, the right back, the, the left back has a, a second surname uh, because he's Fernandez Mercado, and that makes yes, it of course. Yeah, yeah. different from Nicolas Fernandez. Yes. Um, yeah. The river got level again about 10 minutes later, though, uh, through Julian Alvarez, who we've got a listener's question about, and he went on to score a second and then to complete his hat-trick in the second half I think his first yes. professional hat-trick yeah. right? yeah. yes. um, to add to some you know substitute appearances but he's becoming something of a, a regular almost coming off the bench for Argentina but he's now the as well. now the top scorer as well yes. joint top scorer in La Liga Profesional with Jose Sand and I think there is another Martín Ojeda who Diego de Cruz, midfielder. I think he's still on loan from Racing, which kind of makes even more of a mockery of everything <laughs> Racing have been doing over the last two years. To be fair, he's always shit for Racing, but... And uh, speaking of making a mockery of everything Racing have been doing, how have Racing been getting on them? Uh, basically just been mocking me. Um, and themselves, in many ways. Indeed. Uh, I did manage to break in more than 18 months, it has to be, because I can't actually remember... Uh, the last time I went to a, a game in the flesh, I mean, obviously, before the the pandemic hit, I had um, the almost equal inconvenience of having a small child. 
Um, who's still small, but he's not as small now. No, I was going to say, I've not seen him yet because he's sleeping in the next room. Indeed. So, no, I've not seen how much larger he's got. So he far. takes up quite a bit more space and he's, yeah, I'd say louder. Um, talks a lot anyway. Um, so because of him and then because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to go to Racing since some time very di- in the very distant past. And I went on Friday to, uh, to watch him take on Platense. Um, almost wish I hadn't gone. I kind of, you know, like, you know, you watch teams on on telly and, and you don't get very excited about it because you can see they're crap. Um, but I don't know if you guys have ever felt like you think, maybe, you know, if I'm in the stadium, maybe I'll see something that I've missed on TV. Maybe there's all these kind of movements. There's, there's more to this team that isn't kind of being translated um, isn't being passed on to the, the two-dimensional... Well, normally there is that um, difference when you're watching medium. in the stadium compared with on television. There's always stuff that the camera's missing. Are you saying that with Racing there isn't, no? I think they were even worse. <laughs> I think watching them in the flesh, it was even worse than watching them on TV. Um, no, just really typical of what Racing have been doing pretty much all year, but especially uh, since all of the eternal caretaker took over. Uh, what they've been doing all the all these months, like not attacking, not really defending either. I mean, they're playing against Platense, who are probably one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league, and didn't muster a single decent scoring chance, which kind of says it all. The goal against Racing was fairly fairly um, unfortunate. It was a you know deflected pot shot after um, after a corner had been cleared. Uh, but you never got the sense that Racing were going to come back and, and nick it. You could feel in the stadium as I, I was behind the goal, as, um, as is my want. Um, you, can just, you can just feel the, the fans are restless, they're fed up. They just want to see something that can, um, can inspire a little bit of enthusiasm and it's not happening. Um, you know, there were a chance against, um, against the president, chance against the board... Um, Against the, uh, the sporting commission, uh, I'm, I'm supposedly to, to, yeah. to just ask because this is something that we've um, Andres and I, I guess have been sort of more bystanders on this conversation. Uh, but you and Seba have been quite vocal about it in our WhatsApp group. Um, Seba more this, than me, I think. Yeah, I mean Seba particularly, <laughs> but, but you've chipped in as well. Uh, particularly in the last few months, you know, this year um, about the way that Racing is run, about Victor Blanco, mm. the president. Uh, the way that the club has gone since Diego Milito stood down or was fired or let go? No, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. When are Racing's next elections and and when is all this stuff kind of... uh, No, the... Our our long-term listeners will already be aware by now of how this stuff can affect on-pitch performance because we've talked about it enough, but what is going on at board level? Well, the last election was in December. Right. so Nothing's going to change, at least in um, in the president's office for a while. Um, it's just been a case of you know Melito left. Um, I'm not quite as uh, as diehard as as Sever, I think in in my criticisms because uh, if you remember Racing from kind of the second half of last year, you know coming back from the pandemic, they weren't exactly world beaters either. There was. There were a lot of players in the squad who were who were still still there who were brought in by Milito who who have never really performed um, 
in Racing Colours. Hmm. Um, but it's got worse. There's, there's absolutely no question that um, the kind of the new football administration, to, to use a kind of a convenient phrase, that that succeeded what Melito was doing. You know, uh, they haven't done a good job. The the signings that have been made haven't haven't been up to scratch. Um, I think the at least uh, first. Pizzi and, and now Uber, the, the the caretaker guy, they they haven't played a football, which which is what most wrestling fans want. And aside from a couple of kind of bursts with Pizzi, it hasn't been effective either. It hasn't been picking up points. It's a team that almost can't score goals unless um, you get a lucky break like the goal they scored today um, away to Union to draw 1-0 was pretty much a cross which might have brushed Enzo Gobetti's foot or not but managed uh, to fly into the net uh, there's just no sense that the team's playing together the the passing's poor the running's poor um, the positioning's poor it's just a shambles really um, and you probably have to have to share blame across the board. Um, the players haven't been doing what they need to do on the pitch. The coach is clearly way out of his depth and and not making things happen tactically. Uh, the sporting administration, the manager or technical director, director of football, Enimago um, Capria, um, who I always remember, I think his one experience as a coach was at Atlanta, just down the road from here. He lost five games out of five and pretty much got chased out of Vijacrepo before um, you know, running for his life. Um, his kind of eye for talent has been blind, essentially. And the president is just seems to be resting on his laurels. Like he's got the the new um, the new term under his belt, as I said, uh, he's got another at least two, possibly three more years. He's had success with Racing, no one's gonna take that away from him. He's uh, delivered Two league titles in his in his time, which is more than any president probably of Racing since the sixties. Um, I still think the overall kind of analysis, the evaluation of of his tenure is good, um, but you can't get away from the fact that the last two years, taking into account, of course, the pandemic and what it's done to every club's finances, and then even you know the biggest clubs just have to scour around in the bargain bucket if they want to buy players um, it's not been good and I, I must admit I was just uh, flicking around some results pages while, while Sam was doing into his introduction and I was quite shocked to see Racing is still in the Sudamericana qualification places um, because they don't deserve to be with how they've been playing at the moment. Uh, because there are far too many continental qualification places for That helps, well. yes. It, and it, they did have to, a good. To put some context with this, Racing yes. are 11th. So. They had a good first half of the year, at least, you know, they got to the final against Cologne and whatever. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that if they keep that position and manage to get into the Sud Americana oh, of next the year, it will be. Isn't it? It's a year round table. Yes, an annual table. It will be a miracle, an absolute miracle. Mm. Um, I hope so because it leaves at least a fistful of dollars in the, in the Racing account, but it wouldn't reflect just how bad this team has been um, pretty much the entire stretch of 2021. That said, I'm going to go to the next game, of course. 
one thing I will just pick you up on is that uh, towards the start of, of your little talk there, um, your little talk, that sounds a bit patronising, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> towards the start of your, your rant, uh, you did say that, that Platense were um, the worst team in the league. So I'm just going to point out that there are, I counted them when you said it, there are nine teams below Platense in the league table. Uh, I think so, Platense is worse than Platense, for example. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, the, the, the teams, quite the teams below Platense are Sarmiento, Atletico Tucumán, San Lorenzo, Patronato, Newells, Aldo Civi, Banfield, Arsenal, and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. We should say that Platense have won back to ga- back to back games, including that one against uh, Racing. So yes, really helped them shit up the table. I think. And did they play today? I think they did. Uh, they did. Oh, they drew against Central. Yeah, so they've picked up seven points from their last three games, and before that, they'd managed uh, thirteen points from fourteen games. So that's definitely helped their recent yeah, round of fun form. So when when they uh, got the win against Racing, and I know the Victor Rango hired Fernando Gavas, the new coach. Uh, ah, apparently, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it's been it was about. settled, but not uh, perhaps announced officially because the. Uh, apparently, if, if done, uh, he will be in the bench uh, after the second this second rounds two rounds week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, even it's I think it's strange because uh, his record is not good. Of course, he was at Alcibi. Not uh, you can you can measure that as a serious or or that he will be a, a crap. But I think Racing doesn't need a, 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 a we way have a couple, Sorry, we have yes. a couple of questions on Gago I saw, so we might ah, okay, cool. be able we'll to save, save that for, for later. Save that for okay. a bit later. Um, other sides that we've talked about, I mean, we haven't really talked about Tacheres yet this week, but they, since we recorded, have had a... We couple talked of about defeats, yeah. uh, No, we talked about the defeat defensive Justicia, so they've got a 2-0 win against Atletico Tucumán, yeah. and a 1-0 defeat to Colón. I mean, this ultimately is, you know, as much of the reason that River have overtaken them in the last few weeks. His uh, record is much better at home than away, of course, mm-hmm. because the last time he, they lost, they lost against Defensa Justicia at Florencio Varela, a 3-0, uh, which is a, oh, was a hard defeat, yeah, which, but it was away also. I think that they, when they play home, they are much better, and they will be, of course, with the, with the pub, with the crowd, and, and I think that will be another... Plus. Yeah. In, in the league, their last four matches yeah. have been a home win, an away defeat, a home win, and another away defeat. They have had a Copa Argentina win, which of course is on neutral soil uh, in between the first two of those. But yeah, and quite contrasting results as well. It was a 4-1 win at home to Central, followed by a 3-0 tonking away to defence, and then a 2-0 uh, win against Atletico Tucumán. So, potentially tough opponents for River yes. than in Cordoba. Not going to be Thursday. easy. Not going to be easy. Um, on well, the other hand, maybe the fact that River are a significantly better football team will come into play. And they have been uh, recovering from from quite. Uh, I mean, of course, Ashel uh, has been complaining about the players that he lost with the, for the qualifiers. But uh, uh, a lot of people will say, well, but what happens to uh, the coach of Patronato, the coach of Platense, the coach of I know estudiantes uh, uh, because River has problems to build a team. Well, what uh, the, the other the poorer teams will uh, they should complain even even more. But the thing is that they 
Gallardo had to, for example, for example to put eh, Felipe Peña Biafora, who is a natural center midfielder, in the right, in the center back eh, to replace eh, eh, Pablo Díaz. And eh, before it was because of him, because he was for, eh, playing for Chile and the qualifiers, and now because he's injured, because he came from Chile. Uh, with uh, some uh, pain, hmm. uh, and now he, he appears like a natural centre back, but he's not centre back. Yeah. Things like that, for example, uh, made the team to. Uh, it was necessary for for the team to to adapt to that to those things, and they did so. Uh, and which is uh, also important is that in the last match against San Lorenzo, they uh, were one one nil down. So in some matches ago or some months ago. Uh, that was difficult for for River mentally. It, it's like they were they are again mentally strong because yeah, which is the point I made earlier yes. about how the the, the yeah. character and the togetherness is almost as impressive as the fact that they play pretty sexy football sometimes. Mm. Um, and yeah, like the, it's a good point that you're making that the complaints that he's got about international call ups and stuff. I mean, really, it's first world problems <laughs> in yes. in a mostly very much not first world league. You know, River have got the oh woe is me problem of the fact that they're so good that their players are getting called up for Argentina and Chile. Okay, I mean Chile aren't doing that well, but I mean they have two Racing squad. I mean, got two Racing players for God's sake. Casco had to play in the left back because Algeri was was uh, also injured and uh, Bigo was replacing him also got injured. So what the solution that Yashardo found was to to uh, include Robert Rojas. Who had played in the yeah. right back for Paraguay also, so it's not big deal. But uh, uh, when every uh, not everything is perfect, perhaps it's not good for Gallardo. And he says he he <laughs> tends to say that uh, even when now he won't won't talk anymore after the matches. As he also complained about not seeing the the journalists who are asking the questions. Yeah. Uh, um. Going back to Gago going to Racing, by the way, one thing I will point out is just that, if nothing else, it might make give you a bit more of the football you want to watch. Because, you know, one thing that we talked about Gago earlier in the year with is that, at least with Aldo Sibi, he's trying to, inverted commas alert, play football the right way. Yes. Um, and perhaps with a, at a bigger team with, the, on paper, in theory, a stronger squad. <laughs> Great ideas, but not with the players that... Yeah. To take about we'll see, we'll see. But presumably the plan is going to be give him at least one transfer window before putting him under too much pressure. What am I saying? This is Argentina. I mean, you think they wouldn't hire him now? I need to kick him out after seven games, unless those seven games were all five nil defeats. But as you say, who knows? Wait and see. Yeah. Um, let's answer a few listeners' questions, shall we? Why not? I only managed to tweet or managed that makes it sound like I had something such an effort I only remembered to tweet uh, that we were recording uh, at the half time break so um, some of these might uh, you know not many people have had an opportunity to see that but let's just scroll back a bit and see whether anybody tweeted us a week or so ago Um, October the 7th were we recording uh, oh no that, that would have come in just been two Thursdays ago Oh, hang on a second, because I didn't retweet that, so... Ah, right, yeah, so these these two missed... David Novoshevsky missed by about two minutes, I seem to remember, the cut-off for our recording last week. We stopped recording, and then I saw his tweet. Um, 
said on October the 6th to us, did any of you make it out to the grounds this weekend? And, you know, let's just move it forward um, to now for a match. And what was the mood of the crowd like? Uh, I'll answer on others' behalf. Tony was at the Argentina game. Um, the Argentina v Peru, Peru game, not the Uruguay one. Um, Dan obviously has told us about his trip to Racing, and I'm not sure for anyone else. Andres, have you Santi might have got to Independiente, maybe? Possibly, he's not mentioned that. No, I mean, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> I, I couldn't get to the because of the uh, crowded, I, I mean, the number of, of uh, supporters that could assist to the matches. I, I was out of it. The limited capacity, yes. yeah. River and Boca have um, serious problems, even when there's not a pandemic on and they can pack the stadium out with getting enough people into the stadium. There were more, far more people than they uh, permitted. In fact, uh, for the last match against San Lorenzo, there was a, a, a very weird way of. of uh, allowing people to get, uh, which was that the ones who were uh, uh, with the, the paying the, the membership and those, uh, the full membership uh, payment and that, uh, some of them will, will not be able to go depending on the lottery. Uh, uh, so it was quite weird. People that couldn't go because the lottery decided it. Yeah. Uh, the good news is it's supposed to end at the start of November. I believe the, the stadiums are going to open up to 100 percent. Well, and even then, River and Boca are still going to have issues because oh yes, yeah. but then they can't blame anyone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, what Res- happened with those various uh, penal penal cases they had against them for letting too many people in? Uh, are they going to have their ground shut down, or is anything going to happen to that? Oh, they let far too many in for the Super Classical. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And then Boca let far too many in for their home game after complaining that River let far too many in for for their game. I mean, the headlines apparently there were to Boca's cases, home game were yeah. that River Belgrano, who did it in the second division, and somebody else who let too many in in the in the Liga Profesional the day after the Super Classico, uh, were all going to be in trouble and were probably going to have yeah. to play behind. And then Boca the, the following week had but, it. Yeah. So it seems like nothing's going to happen. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I guess. Yeah. I mean, what I've been thinking for for the last little while is we're now more than two weeks into October. Those matches took place on like the second and third of October, so in theory, now we should be starting to. If it was, you know, a big epidemical problem, yeah. epidemiological. I still can't say that word. Out epidemiological. Yeah. Then, in theory, we would now be starting to see a bit of a rise in cases. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be watching the numbers, but. At the moment, touch wood. Is this yeah, actual yes. wood? No. no. There's, there's no real wood in this place, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wood. Uh, yeah, that's a that's bit too a bit far. far yeah. um, touch wood, nothing's going Touch up. India. No, nothing's going up yet. Uh, Razvan Bruno Ifrim asked the day after we last recorded, any predictions about El Muñeco leaving, leaving River? I know it was previously discussed. Also, very curious to hear your Is views. It? Has it ever about... been discussed? Yeah. <laughs> about Julian Alvarez' potential to grow. Thank you. And we've had another question about Julian Alvarez today, which is linked, which was along the lines of how to River hang on to. Um, I don't think we have anything to add about Gachardo leaving River that we didn't add last week or the week, last week, two they, weeks ago. All of, all, of the, before, all of the people, um, well, I, when I say all of the people, I say the, the, the journalists that, that follow all of the real information even the, 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 the ones who are close to Gallardo, no, no one knows what mm. he will decide it by himself and, mm. and, and it will perhaps depend perhaps depend on whether he wins the Liga Profesional or not. All I'll say is that at some point he's going to want a new challenge, right? 
Yeah, you would think so. You think? He's, he's clearly not... I'm not saying that he's not very happy at River and he doesn't like chasing the Verdur, he's chasing the lead, but at some point, you think. Yeah, and I mean, he's clearly, I'm guessing, because he clearly earned you know, plenty as a player by local standards, but he's, he's obviously not massively motivated by money or he'd have been off no. years ago. That's an absolutely belting goal to put defensive the, the thing 3-2 up, by the way, 25 minutes to go against Patronato. Boom. Um, if he doesn't leave this year, I think that he will, perhaps next, as I... I I imagine him uh, uh, not working for six months to have at least rest six months and then by June to, to see whether he has an offer. Yeah. Because uh, when the the beginning of the season, it's easier for to build a team. And yeah, you can't imagine him ever walking out in June, say, in the middle no. of a Libertadores campaign. So it's, got, it's going to be either this December or another December somewhere in the future. Yeah, exactly. And Julian Alvarez, I mean... <laughs> Sky's the limit, really. Loads of potential. Uh, when, when he first started breaking through and just getting minutes here and there for River, as he is doing now for Argentina, I remember saying, and I, I think I wasn't the only person on here who said that he, he just looked a year or two older than he was and, and just like he was you know, there to, to stay. He seems um, to be transforming. I mean, I can't, I can't admit that I watch every single River game where I've seen every single game um, he's ever played, but... Um, he seems to be transforming into more of a Naguera type little striker because yeah. at the start he, you know, you saw him a lot out wide or kind of playing further back behind the strikers, and now it seems yeah, that's where he got the opportunity to. Well, yeah, as much of as course, and, yeah. you know, paying um, paying your dues. Got a nose for goal, and it seems yeah. like that's going to be his his position in the end. Apparently, like, there were the box. people from Milan and, and Bayer Leverkusen following him. For, I don't I know whether he, they were already here or they will be, but uh, it's obvious that with the the play the goals he is scoring and the way of, of uh, in, in which he's scoring and so consecutive goals two against Boca two against Newells for example three against San Lorenzo it's clear that the, the it will call the attention of of uh, the yeah team. yeah they'd be well of well advised to look as well because here it's European clearly a, it's a biased market here. You know. And with the, the the prices, you know, even some of the elite clubs, That's what I'm saying, know, yeah. uh, the the prices being touted for for Haaland to bring up a name yeah. that was mentioned earlier, or I mean, Mbappe. Oh, okay, I mean, if Mbappe goes anywhere, it's yeah. only going to be to Madrid. But I mean, can River in their current financial state hold out for more than ten million euros? Very I difficult. Thought so, would you? I mean, who could? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll say as a as a Man United fan, I would be more than happy if we signed. him. I'd, obviously, I'd love us to sign Haaland next. Year, <laughs> Assuming we if don't, <laughs> if, if we don't, I wouldn't complain about signing Alvarez. That's not well, to say that they're on the same limit right now. But you heard it here first, Ed. Giving him a seven-year yeah. contract or something, then I would say, well, leave Julian Alvarez at River until twenty twenty-four, and when Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> retires, yeah, then you. <laughs> Janet Hopper uh, tweeted to us on the eighth of October, saying, "Catching up on Hand Pod and hearing the bit about Premier League players not being vaccinated, I quite agree. They are morons." Jurgen Klopp came up with a great analogue when asked about it last week. I had Oxford AstraZeneca and was fine. Also probably hasn't affected my fertility. Glad to hear it, Janet. Um, I had Oxford, and or AstraZeneca as we're calling it here, because you know, Oxford's a British name and we don't want those in Argentina. Uh, also, it wasn't produced in Oxford. It was produced here, in well, the one I had, obviously. Um, I had that for the first dose of Pfizer for the second. So I've had a cocktail. Huh? So when the boosters come out next year, fuck knows what I'm going to get, but <laughs> we'll see. 
Um, and dresses up one of the Chinese ones. Yes, the two doses of Sinopharm. Yes. That's, that's the better of the Chinese ones, in case you're panicking yes. for them. And Dan, what have you had? Did I? Chinese. All Excellent. Right. Glad to hear it. My girlfriend got Sinopharm. Yeah, my girlfriend got Sinopharm. Mm. Girlfriend's brother there, got two doses of Sputnik because he's a healthcare worker, so he was vaccinated far. There was a time in which uh, the only vaccines, but, but since we were receiving were, was Sinopharm, so yeah. it yeah. was Sinopharm for everyone, yeah. almost. Um, right, girlfriend's dad had a Sputnik and a Moderna. Huh? Yeah. Only go. person I know is had Moderna. <laughs> I mean, a not been American, obviously. Um, scrolling up a bit now, uh, Phil Carney said, "Oh, this was earlier today. He was obviously watching a match. Bizarre hearing Jonathan Pierce talk about Eder Alvarez Balanda. Like hearing somebody say classical Boyense, Boyense, not on hand of pod. I don't know whether anybody on that on hand of pod calls it that. I've heard that. It's something I made up, so yeah. they better not. I've got a copyright on it. Um, and then, right, Eder Alvarez Balanda is now. I think he's good at, at, at Basile." Basilea is the club in which he's playing, right? Uh, it's no, no. I saw him earlier as well. Yeah. He's at Brugge. Ah, Brugge, ah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Man City. Didn't have a great... Which is why Phil was watching him, of course, because yes. Phil's mm. a City fan. In spite of which, he's a very nice I think person. he was in the Columbia squad, right, for these last qualifiers? Yeah, I think or, I saw him. I heard his yeah. name bandied around somewhere. I, I recall, I think that in, there was a match, uh, River played at Chapecoense before the tragedy, uh, and he... Played so badly that he asked the coach to get out of the pitch of the, of the, of the team. But now I, I, I am glad that he's playing well. He was always a good player. Yes. Like yes. It just seemed, I don't know, I don't know yes. what happened really. He just fell off, didn't he? He had yeah. that astonishing first 10 months or so when he first broke into the River team and looked yeah. like he'd been there all his life. Um, and then he got injured, didn't he? And yeah. didn't really manage and to come back. And they just quietly right. packed him off to... Yeah. Somewhere yeah, in Yeah, by, by which point they built up such a reputation that they were able to sell yeah. him anyway. Uh, Ronnie Mazunda said, if it is the year that Gachardo wins the league, what challenges are left for him at River except for playing with almost new players and still being a very good team in South America? Shouldn't he move on? How do you see... And, a separate question, how do you see Gago in Racing's appointment? We've actually sort of answered uh, the Gago question yeah. already. What I'll say for Gago is he can't possibly do any worse. And no, exactly. And as I yeah. said, you're going to presumably you're going to see slightly more entertaining football at least. Yeah, I think Gago kind of has been tainted a bit. You say tainted because only last, you know, you're only as good as your or bad as your last job. Um, you know, he was tainted by losing six games or seven games in a row. I think at the end of his Aldosivi reign, but before that run, he had Aldosivi something like third in the table. They were about yeah. four points off. Um, off the top and playing pretty decent football um, and it's Aldo Civi. Aldo Civi have absolutely nothing they still have Colocini at 39 years old in the middle of the fence and you're always going to be limited at what you can achieve as a team with a 39 year old Colocini in the middle yeah, of your defence I'm quietly confident very very quietly I'm going to be because it could go horribly wrong um, but I'm going to be interested to see because I don't I mean let's be honest you look at the players in Racing's team Matt, and they're not the best players and Blanco's a bastard and the recruitment's all wrong but the players really that much worse than Sarmiento's team or Patronato's team or Platense's team or two thirds of the rest of the um, Liga Profesional's squads no I, don't, I wouldn't no. say so I mean, the bar's very low. And if you have 
a halfway competent coach who has some idea of what football he wants to play, I think you can get points. Yeah. I think the critics are basically because he tries to play nice and the results are, are, are not good. But if he, if he, if the players, but would, the, they, would they have been any better at Los CV if he just hoofed over the top yeah. and put eight people behind the ball? Yes. I mean, you got to start somewhere, and I think for a first job, look at Crespo. He had a very similar, I think, kind of tenure at Banfield that didn't quite work out, and the next year he went to the Pensacola this year and won the Copa Sudamericana. And now he's just lost the San Paolo job. I know he's just lost the San Paolo <laughs> job, but he was a bit unlucky there as well. But anyway, um, yeah, Gago, good for now. Yeah, and Gachardo, I mean, if I was Marcelo Gachardo and I was a dyed-in-the-wall from birth River Plate fan and previous you know, legend as a player and everything, um, I think that I would have probably moved on by now. But that's a hell of a lot easier to say sitting here as a not-dyed-in-the-wall River Plate yeah. fan who's not a, a legend and hasn't lived their whole life with the club. The thing is, he won't possibly have a, a much better team than he has now because of the... We are in Argentina, I think. That's it does seem to be kind of a circle of diminishing returns, right? When it comes to Gachardo and River, like every yeah. year he has a little bit less to, uh, to work with. I mean, it's a dilemma. I mean, just to be really, really negative and pessimistic for a second, like on the one hand, you have, you know, maybe going to another place and failing, mm. or staying so long at River and ending up a failure. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps if, I don't know, if uh, Julian Alvarez is sold by on $15 million or 13 or 12 and they sign, for example, Eduardo Vargas, I, which, who is a striker I like, I like very much, uh, now at Atlético Mineiro. Mm-hmm. Perhaps for Gachardo that's good, and he says, okay, well, if you sign a player with similar skills than Julian Alvarez, I, I would, but I think the team won't be much better than it is now. And yeah. Uh, And on that note, Landor Rocks asks, how long do you think River can hold on to Julian Alvarez? Well, if Man United scouting department (laughs) are listening to this, then not very long at all. His contract ends by December 2022. So, and they will have to to hurry up. Next winter, you think? Hmm. At the latest. That's our winter. Yes. So, So the next next summer European transfer window might be the key element in that and finally Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says nice feeling to be back recording in person thoughts on the appointments of Gago at Racing and oh god I've missed this one Guinyasu at Atletico Tucumán what? Yeah. my thoughts on that should be evident from the excitement in my voice um, <laughs> that's going to be fantastic to watch I would think I've no idea what he's like as a manager obviously I don't think he's ever even managed has he? this is one reason I've no idea what he's going to be like <laughs> as a manager I'm all here for it though uh, yeah I'm always happy to see these kind of borderline insane ex-players take up the uh, take up on the bench. Let's hope he turns out to be a bit more entertaining than Paolo Montero, who you'd expect him to be the angriest manager in the world given his playing career. Yeah, it turns out to just seemingly be quite a nice, calm person. <laughs> As for recording in person, yeah, it's nice. It's fantastic. It's, yes, it's it's one, I, I have seen Andres once because uh, he came around to pick mm-hmm. up some some cash from our yes. patrons. Uh-huh. Uh, to, when was that? One year ago, in September twenty twenty. Um, but this is the first time I've seen Dan since February or early March 2020. Indeed, I have yes. actually been in the, the cafe around the yeah. corner from here a few times to play pool. It's, um, I had seen... I've I seen, won't um, be doing again because uh, their tables are fucking terrible and they don't look after them <laughs> and it's pissing me off. It's totally different for me. It's uh, more fluent and I, I talk with people instead of talking to the, to the computer. So Indeed. It's, 
Yeah. Ginyasu was Tacheres' assistant before. This oh, okay. is his first oh. proper coaching job. Nice. There we go. And did he, am I remembering wrong, or did he have a really silly haircut when he was playing? Did he have any hair left? Did he have like a mohawk or something? Or uh, when he was at Inter, when he was in Inter de Porto Alegre, he definitely had a mohawk. Yeah. Uh, I think at the end he was just bald. Yeah. Yeah, the big question. Right, yeah. um, I don't think we're going to do any Mystic Sam this week because we're already three matches. Three matches. And, yeah. Well, nearly three matches. Two matches and basically, yeah, nearly a third of a match um, into the round. So there's no point doing Mystic Sam. So we are, of course, going to record Hand of Pod Extra um, in a few minutes' time for our Patreon supporters. So if you would like to give us some support and get some extra content... Uh, in return for it, then please go over to patreon.com slash handapod. I don't remember to plug it every episode, and I just have done now, so that's my job done for another couple of months. Um, so, But for now, and as I've already mentioned in passing, uh, I'm on holiday next week, so you'll be hearing from us again in two weeks' time. For now, thank you very much indeed for listening. It feels wonderful to be back, so thank you, gentlemen, mm-hmm. both for... Um, Agreed to come along and rec- well, Dan, you didn't really have to come anywhere, did you? Because it's your living room. But um, I cleaned up Lowry's Lowry's toys a little bit. Though. He did, yeah, yeah, quite a lot. Like, looking, he has a hell of a lot of toys. Yes. Um, thank you for for having us over. And, My uh, pleasure. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thanks and goodbye. <laughs>